start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. This this, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. Hello and welcome to this all new episode of The Jay Allen Show. Today's Tuesday, June the 2nd of 2020. I hope all is well in your neck of the woods. Some interesting times going on right now with the protests going around the world the pandemic that's taking place a lot of things to talk about and a lot of things to think about at this particular moment as I say this I want to reference that a few weeks ago we had an episode talking about pain with pain And this is where this conversation is going to start. This is a conversation that I have today with Alan James Moore. And we take a deep dive into that particular conversation. You might be sitting there going, tell me a little bit more about Alan James Moore. So let me do that real quick. Having traveled to over 50 countries and worked on four continents, Alan is skilled at using cultural fluency to connect with diverse audiences. He capitalizes on his professional background in stand-up comedy and captivate his audience through humorous storytelling and techniques. Alan has a master's degree in leadership and for over 14 years of experience in the environmental health and safety field and have helped enrich the content of his well-crafted presentations. Moreover, he has gained experience with large groups. He gained experience with large groups facilitation through the various presentation speeches and workshops that he delivered in Mandarin and English while working in Taiwan, China, and Canada. This has helped him design group experiences that get his audience engaged and excited to participate and network. So let's not take too long to get this whole conversation started. And let me welcome Alan James Moore to the show. So I appreciate, number one, you agreeing to come on. So number two, I know that we kind of interacted based on a social media post, and I was interested in what you had to say. Well, yeah. So what what uh, what I reacted to was was the post, the pain for pain um, was uh, your your I don't know. It was kind of a short, not a not a full podcast, maybe about five minutes long. Right. And, uh, you know, I it was basically your you're bringing pain into a conversation in the workplace. And then that kind of opens up, 
you know, an opportunity for the other person to, to exchange their pain and, and nothing really positive comes from it. And it reminded me of, of my, of, of a speech that I, that I've been giving recently and I call it, um, um, uh, Sisyphus relationships. And, and the reason why I do that is because it's, uh, to emulate, you know, the metaphor of, uh, King Sisyphus, who was punished by the Greek gods for treachery and deceit and self-aggrandizing and made to push an enormous boulder uphill. And when you reach the top of the hill, that boulder would just come rolling down again. And this, uh, metaphor kind of reminded me of some of the relationships that I had forged at work. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, I can, I can be a little bit quick tempered and, and reactionary, uh, sometimes. And, you know, you, you, you build up these relationships with people, um, by, you know, putting emotional, uh, or making deposits in their emotional bank account every single day. How are you? Great work. Uh, how was your weekend? All that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Stephen R. Covey type stuff. And then one day, you know, you, you, you kind of speak sharply to that person or you don't fully listen to them or respect them or, or, or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, everything that you've put into that emotional bank account gets withdrawn and, and it just drains that emotional bank account in one, you know, it can happen over three seconds. It can happen over a look and all of a sudden down comes the boulder. And me being like Sisyphus, I have to then push that boulder back up the hill again. And, and it's kind of like, you know, a few months later, I, I've built it up again. The boulder's at the top of the hill. I make another silly comment and down comes the boulder, rinse and repeat. And that's, that's kind of where I was likening it to. Well, I mean, as you take a look at it in, in being as a true, you get to go out and actually speak to large groups of people in regards of having this discussion. Now that we're in this whole different world where everything's almost virtual, it's so much easier to do that now. What kind of impact are you seeing with some of the things that are potentially occurring on social media or some of these virtual interactions that we have with our coworkers and how that can apply? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think that right now, uh, you know, I think this will change, but right now we're, we're being a little bit more kind to each other. Because we realize that everybody is going through something. Um, you know, there's certain people that have it a lot harder than, than other people. But regardless of who you are, you're, you're being impacted by this. So I think we're speaking a little more kindly to each other. And I think that's a really good thing. And I hope that as this starts to normalize and, you know, we come out of this thing and we get used to our new normal, so to speak, I hope that that persists. I hope that we're able to... Um, you know, be very careful with the words that we choose when we're in a virtual setting uh, to know that, you know, a smile is not behind that necessarily. Um, you know, if, if, uh, if, if your video is, is not one-to-one, let's say. Um, so the nonverbal is, is not there to, to cover those bases for you. If you're, let's say, telling a joke, um, it may not be perceived like that. So we, we just, we really need to be careful and, and we need to continue to be kind. Well, I can say that the smiling with your eyes is almost out the window at the moment with everything that's going on, especially if you're not doing anything video. Like something like right now as we're having this conversation, we're not in the same room, but we're doing it over a computer. So you could not see how I'm reacting to some of the things that you're saying and how, you know, vice versa. So how does that impact when you're having these conversations? What could you what could be some of those telltale marks as you move forward to make sure that people know that? You know, you're accepting what they have to say. I mean, you don't want to interrupt and be like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. How, do, how could you do certain things there to be able to assist, though? Well, I think that's, that's a great question, Jay. I, I think what, what we can do is that we can qualify people's opinions. 
Uh, well, first off, we can wait for the period, right? Uh, sometimes, and that's going to be very difficult for us. Uh, you know, from a, you know, if you're facilitating a virtual workshop, for example, your job as a facilitator is to stop those people who are a bit verbose, a bit long winded, right? Um, so you will have to sometimes cut people off, but in a regular conversation, like we're having right now, it's, it's being respectful, waiting for the period, waiting till they're actually stopped, uh, speaking and sharing their point and then qualifying their opinion. And that's going to take a little bit longer. So, you know, in a safety setting, I was in a, a, you know, a safety focus group last week and someone would say, you know, I think that we need to put pylons around our vehicles so that we, uh, you know, automatically do a 360 uh, degree um, inspection of our, of our trucks, our vehicles before we leave, right. By picking up the pylons and stuff like that. And afterwards, instead of me saying, okay, cool, who's next, right. I have to maybe say, I think that's a really good idea. It also uh, allows other contractors on site to see that we're, you know, our company's being more diligent and, you know, by, by making our vehicles more visible to them, you know, just something qualifying like that. It doesn't have to be long, but it, it, it makes them feel like their opinion was valid. So do you think that before we ha- start having a conversation, especially dealing this with this virtually, should we almost take a personal inventory of ourselves before those conversations starts just to make sure that we're almost like on an even playing field? Would, would you be referring to like a, a social hierarchy or a positional hierarchy? Well, I'm talking about how you were saying right now that you put pylons around the car. So that way you're doing a 360 overview. I'm just talking about doing almost like an overview. Let's almost look at it as like you're clearing your mind before you start these conversations. Because as as you were saying a little bit before, it's real easy to, you know, say hello, say goodbye. How are you doing on a daily basis? But the moment that you do that sharp remark, it can change everything. So is it really doing like that personal inventory before that comment might potentially come out? I see what you mean, Jay. Absolutely. 100%. You know, my, my Sisyphus relationships, uh, um, speech is actually related to a person that I work with and I still work with them. This person throws out those passive aggressive little comments and then I blow up and then down comes the boulder. So what I started to do was I built what, what I kind of call a leadership tool belt. And one of those, uh, things that was on my, my tool belt was a differentiated conversation. And that's, basically breaking the song and dance that you have with this person. They say the passive aggressive comment, I blow up, down comes the boulder. I'm going to change that a little bit. I'm going to, before the meeting, five, 10 minutes before that meeting, I take a deep breath and I anticipate within the meeting agenda, I say, you know what, there's a sticking point right there. And if that person says, you know, they've made a few comments on the email thread leading up to this meeting, I kind of have a feeling that uh, it's a bit of a contentious point. They may go there. And when I say go there, they may go to their weaponry, which is, uh, in this person's case, passive aggressive, uh, which is my least favorite weapon. Uh, <laughs> so they may go there. And if they go there, how, what am I going to do to make sure that that boulder doesn't come down the hill and to make sure that I don't create tension on the call for everybody that's there? Uh, because really, that's a, that's a self-serving thing that I do. And, and when, I, when I have that five-minute little pregame, I, I avoid it. So yeah, absolutely, Jay. I think I think going into these things, don't just you know be in your pajama bottoms with your your bunny slippers and sit down and think it's fine. If if there's going to be some some items that are contentious, uh, address them beforehand in your head. Hey, Jay. Just wanted to tell you, I have a new book and it seems kind of timely. Although I didn't write it for a global pandemic, and by the way, this is my first one. It seems to have lots of legs on this topic. The book's called When the Worst Accident Happens, 
And it's a field guide to understanding how to begin a restorative process of responding to a horrible event. That book is available now on Amazon. I think you'd like it. Tell all your friends. Have you been considering wanting to take the Safety Consultant Blueprint course online? Well, let me throw a little monkey wrench into your thoughts. I am going to do a live three-day event on Zoom. It's going to be a workshop that is me walking you through this course step by step by step. Each day, July 28th, July 29th, and July 30th from 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to have an intimate group of a maximum 15 participants. So register today, sheldonprimus.com backslash live for the Safety Consultant Blueprint. So go to sheldonprimus.com backslash live and register today. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. So, Alan, let me ask, when did you come to the point where you started giving some really deep thoughts into some of these things where you were realizing there were certain changes that you needed to do within yourself, that this was something that you started looking at? Well, it's, it's when I read, read Covey's, uh, you know, piece on that and, and just started to look at myself and thought, my goodness, I really spin my, spin my wheels on this thing. And I create, you know, it's, there's a, there's a kind of a radial expression on this. There's a ripple effect on this because that person, they have, you know, their social network within, within the company. So then they're going to the coffee station and saying, well, can you believe what, what Alan did to me on this? And, and, you know, they're, they're sort of doing their victim conversation. Then I'm doing my little conversation and then we're, we're, we're kind of building camps and nobody's really winning in that. Uh, I'm not entirely wrong. I'm not entirely right. And neither are they. Uh, so it's, it's really, there's no productive out, outcome. Um, for either of us. It's a lot of pain for this person. It's a lot of pain for me. Um, and it's wasted pain because uh, I respect this person's professionalism and their ability to do their job. So a, a productive outcome is is professional, respectful communication. Um, and that's and that's basically, yeah, reading Covey's thing, I, it, it just kind of changed me there. And what are we talking about timeline when this was kind of open to you that you saw this and said, okay, this is what I need to move forward with? Well, it's a couple of years ago, I had uh, finished a master's degree in leadership uh, out at Royal Roads University. Um, I call it the school for the gifted because it was featured in uh, X-Men. It's that one that he flies into. But it's Do you have any kind of mutant powers that we need to know about? <laughs> well, that's, that's basically, uh, you know, what my mom says whenever I say school for the gifted. She's like, actually, isn't that the school for mutants? Uh, so, <laughs> and, and she's right. Um, my mutant power is making fun of my mom's Scottish accent. So that's, uh, <laughs> well, that's for another time, but that, oh, mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she'll probably listen to this later. So I won't do that. Um, but yeah, that was basically the time when I started to explore these things and, and going through all the different texts, which confirmed it, uh, you know, starting with Covey and going into, you know, Patrick Lencioni and Senge and Posner and all like every single one of these books was sort of like basically speaking to me and saying, Al, you got this wrong. Stop, uh, you know, doing, you know, using the exact same tool, the, the hammer and thinking everything is, is a nail, you know? Um, and, and that was it. It was, it was just basically, uh, discovery. So um, at, what, at what point do you decide that you want to go out and become an inspirational speaker and go out and share some of this messaging? 
Well, I've I've been doing that for for a lot of years. I, I cut my teeth actually in in stand up comedy years ago, um, and then oddly enough, I I had uh, I had learned how to speak Mandarin, so I was um, I had moved to Taiwan, and I was offered a job there. And so I, I, I really, you know, in terms of an occupational setting, I started speaking public speaking in Mandarin, um, which, uh, which was a bit odd, uh, for sure. Cause my, my Mandarin's not, uh, you know, not native speaker by any means, but I, I started to notice that bringing, fusing the humor, um, into, into my speeches, especially safety speeches, which quite often can be pretty dry, um, you know, and, and dictatorial, uh, I, when I fused those two things together, I noticed a different reaction from the audience and that they were more engaged. And, you know, if I was bringing in, um, other messaging, not just, you know, make sure you, you watch out for slips, trips and falls or pinch points or things like that. When I was, when I was talking about, um, safety leadership or, uh, communication for safety where, you know, uh, you know, safety practitioners, they need to, to get, you know, get a rapport with the people that they're, um, trying to protect. They need to ingratiate themselves to the workforce. Uh, they don't need to, you know, win a popularity contest, um, but they have to be reasonable and approachable. So once I started to bring those other aspects into, uh, my speeches, uh, I, I got a great response from it. And, uh, you know, I was working for Stanley tools over in Taiwan and they would actually send me over to China to some of our tier one and tier two suppliers to provide, uh, these these um, kind of inspirational safety messages to them, and uh, and the feedback was great. So I carried it on when I moved back to Canada. So I, I you know I have to ask is so the, some of the first speeches that you're doing are in full blown Mandarin. Have you done already practice here in, or had you already practiced in Canada before you go out there, or how does that end up taking place? No, no, I uh, I, I did them. <laughs> I, no, I generated I- them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was very intimidating. My my uh, Taiwanese coworkers, uh, you know, the most lovely people. Taiwanese people are just just absolutely lovely and warm and kind. And they they uh, could could see the stress on my face, and they helped me uh, develop these speeches. And uh, you know, made sure that that there were little you know my my Mandarin is um, you know it's not bad, but they were like, no, no, say it this way, say it that way, so it had more humor and and had more impact. So. Um, and then, and then in English, um, you know, I, I guess I'm a little more of a storyteller um, when I when I when I do my speeches in English than I than I well, do in Mandarin. Well, as I look at some of this, and here's something that I have been saying for years: that a lot of the speeches that we're able to do, we're able to go out, but it's almost like redefine, redefining a comedy act because you're going out there and you're you're doing this, and you might go to one location and it goes well this way, and then you have to change it up a little bit. Can you see some association or some similarities as refining your comedy act as doing some of these speeches out in the general public? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I definitely, um, I, I, I think I understand your question is being, um, you know, kind of bringing the comedy act to the stage. Is that right? Yeah, right. right. Um, I absolutely uh, do see that. And it was, uh, you know, at first, when I first started to think about doing this, uh, going to conferences and, and, and speaking, being doing the keynote thing, I, I kind of had this image in my head, like, oh, no, you, you have to be serious. You can't do this. This is not something you can do. And then uh, I saw a guy named uh, Alan Quilly. I'm not sure if you, you know Alan Quilly. Great guy. You should maybe think about having him on your, on your program one day. And he did it. He was humorous and lighthearted and he interacted with the audience. And I thought, and, and that just kind of gave me the inspiration to say, 
yes, why not? Uh, why, why do I have to be all, why does safety have to be so serious? Um, all the time, right? I know, I understand the critical, uh, you know, safety conversations, investigations are serious, but why do we yeah. have to, uh, gather here and, and be so serious? And, and also, um, sitting in the back of the room for so many boring safety speeches, um, you know, uh, I thought, why does this poor person at the front of the room, um, have to speak for an hour or an hour and a half, uh, on a slideshow? Um, why can't we try to harvest the collective intelligence of the 200, 300 people uh, safety professionals in this room, uh, you know, and, and really create an interactive experiential event. And, and so that's how once I once I, you know, read saw Alan Quilly and then I read Peter Block's book on consulting where he he said you have to have audience engagement. The talking head is is no more. Uh, then I, I fuse those together with the comedy and all the rest of it, the storytelling and, uh, you know, uh, set out to, to, to be a keynote. At Hop University, we cut the bullshit out of human and organizational performance training. We were born out of necessity. We hear it all the time. Human and organizational performance courses are expensive and hard to find. Safety classes put me to sleep. Help. So we did. We offer on-demand, high-quality online courses in human and organizational performance, safety, and leadership, all led by seasoned safety and hot practitioners. No need to schedule time for that conference. No need to track down the latest guru. And no stuffy classroom required. Join us today at hopuniversity.org. That's H-O-P university.org. Thank you for listening to Safety FM. We are here to help you in this time of need. Make sure to join us on Patreon forward slash Safety FM. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. So when you go out there now and you're doing these speeches, number one, what kind of what kind of companies do you normally get to interact with? And then number two, how how do you get them to start talking? Because I know that sometimes it's not the easiest thing, especially if you're doing a keynote depending on how they have it set up. If you're the first one out the gate, normally the, the crowd isn't as open as if you have somebody kind of warming them up. So how does, how does the, both of those things go for you? Yeah. So your, your first question, what kind of companies, I mean, I'm in Calgary, so, you know, the energy sector is, is, uh, is, um, you know, what we're kind of going, going towards and, or, you know, the mining sector in, in Eastern British Columbia. So, you know, the Imperial oils, uh, or medium sized mag energies, um, you know, these kind of companies will have me come in, uh, for an annual general meeting or or a quarterly safety meeting or a project kickoff and things like that, uh, and I also speak at you know at the conferences as well. Um, and basically, yeah, you know, I experience a, a, every once in a while I experience a little bit of resistance uh, to this, especially if I'm an opening keynote. Um, but the opening keynote is actually the best place to do this this interactive uh, model. And because what what I do is I tell a humorous story that's, you know, maybe anywhere from eight to 12 minutes long. Um, and then I, I go into group work and I want them to comment. Uh, they, they break into groups, you know, preferably circular tables of five to 10 people. And they discuss what, you know, who the actors were in my story. Like, for example, I do um, one of the one of the keynotes, uh, one of my most popular keynotes is um, I got charged by elephants in Africa. And oh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. And it's a true story. Uh, and, and it was crazy. Um, you know, there was, there was, uh, all kinds of different safety leaders in the story embedded in it. 
so there's the good, the bad, and the ugly safety leader, right? Just like the Clint Eastwood movie. And, uh, you know, the good safety leader warned everybody about the hazards before we went out there. You know, he's a, a local guy and he said, you know, if, if an elephant, uh, you know, the South African guy, and he, he said, uh, you know, if an elephant charges you, you must not run. Nine times out of ten, it's only a mock charge. But if you run, it might turn into a real charge. So promise me that you won't run. Right. And so he's he's the good guy. Then the bad guy is the, uh, you know, the local guide who who, um, you know, we we address our safety concerns with them after the elephants are flapping their ears and showing all this aggressive behavior, going up on their hind legs and roaring. And and, you know, we we said, hey, you know, man, like, can we leave? Like, we're pretty scared here. And then, you know, he was very condescending and said, you know, relax, boss. Don't worry. Go take some pichas. You know, like, to, you know, sloughing, uh, sloughing us off. And I think everyone in the workplace has a right to, uh, you know, express their opinion. Right. And then there's the ugly safety leader myself, uh, because I actually I did run. I didn't listen to to uh, the original guy, the good the good safety leader. And I ran. And I also used what's called mitigated speech when addressing my safety concerns with the local guide. I mean, I'm paying this guy. Why didn't I just speak up and be firm and say, listen. Uh, we don't feel safe. Take us out of here right now. You know, so uh, what I do is I get the audience to um, talk about the good safety leader. And then um, we have an open discussion. And I and after the open discussion where I let them share their opinions, um, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, with a with a throw with a microphone, then I I, I address I, I I say my opinion of who I think the good safety leader is and the bad and the ugly. And then I relate it to the three fundamental rights of all Canadian employees, um, which, get, which is embedded in OSHA as well. Um, the right to know about the hazards in your workplace, the right to participate in assessing and controlling the hazards in your workplace, and the right to refuse unsafe or dangerous work. Well, that's, that's excellent. It's such an interesting approach. I have never heard of anybody doing it in that fashion. It's such, it sounds like a great story, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I do, I do a lot of accents in it. And so people, uh, you know, are laughing and, and having fun with it. And there's, there's a lot of tension built, built into it. So as a keynote, it, it, it works out pretty well. And, um, you know, and, and on top of that, if, if people are looking for, you know, a second hour or, or a third hour, um, I add things like, uh, you know, a world cafe or a Socratic circle, um, to just promote even more, um, cross-pollination of ideas amongst my audience. Oh, that's, that's great. So what are some of the other, some, some of the other speeches that you do, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, absolutely. Um, so another one that I do is, uh, uh, I call it, um, communication for safety. So I start off with, with, uh, Newfoundland slang and, uh, Newfoundland is, is, I guess it's similar to in the United States, um, uh, Fargo. It's probably <laughs> our, our Fargo, but their accent uh, and they're wonderful, warm, wonderful people, uh, brilliant people. Uh, but their accent makes Fargo sounds sound like the Queen's English. Uh, it, it really does. They've got their own uh, set of slang and all the rest of it. And so I worked out there a little bit. And with amidst all the slang and all the kind of the cultural differences, we really struggled, um, you know, to get the safety program on track. And, and uh, it was just a constant back and forth. And it was really funny, uh, all the things that took place. So I share, I share that as an opener. Then I do a similar thing. We do the, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, what do you think were some of the safety communication issues in the story? And what are some of the, you know, safety communication issues that, 
that you have at your workplace. And I, I call it safety dissidents. Um, you basically people who do not buy into the safety program at all. And that's what I faced out there. It was just a different culture and, and they weren't buying in, um, even to the, the minimal PPE level. I mean, you know, operating a chainsaw without a mask on silly things like that, like just absurd. And I, and I, I talked to people, uh, cause people, people really want to share their stories. Uh, even, even introverted people, everybody wants to share their stories. And if I can create, uh, if I can set the context with my own story where, you know, I, I often play the heel, um, in, in the story, it's mistakes that I've made misinterpretations and they're humorous. And then, so when, you know, it kind of made, I feel like it makes people feel comfortable so that they can share their own stories about safety dissidents that they've encountered. And almost everybody has a story, especially people that are of, of, uh, you know, my vintage, uh, 40 or above. We've, we've had that where you've got that, um, safety dissident who says, you know, safety schmafety, what, you know, what is this? Nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. Like, what, what are we talking about here? I got, I, I don't have budget or time for this, you know? So, um, we go into that. Then I go into, uh, the Sisyphus relationships speech after we finish the first, um, group work. And then I, um, uh, I show a video actually of, uh, of, of the UFC, that, uh, reality show. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, uh, ever seen that, but, uh, oh, of course, of course I have. I, I love me some mixed martial arts. Oh, fantastic. Right on Jay. That's awesome. Uh, it's, it's season one and it's just the most wonderful communication, um, like how not to, and basically, <laughs> you know, you've, you've got all, it's a wonderful show because, uh, they, st- they, you know, they, they stick all these, um, basically animals, uh, the toughest dudes in the world into one house and they stock it full of alcohol and they, they go and buy groceries based on what, you know, one guy says, Oh, I like asparagus. Another guy says, I like oh, a little bit of steak, whatever. And they don't buy like enough almost. So they make it even, even food is competitive. It's hilarious. And so this one case, there's a Stefan Bonner, who's a heavyweight or I believe a light heavyweight. Anyways, he's, he's about six foot four, uh, 205 pounds. And then, um, uh, he's, he's in the kitchen and he realizes that, uh, uh is somebody has, has just clipped all the, the heads off of the asparagus, which is the tastiest part. Of course, nobody wants the stalks. And, um, uh, and then there's another uh, competitor who's who's a lightweight, uh, Diego Sanchez, uh, a little little miniature psychopath, and and he's he's the one who's been cutting the heads off and putting them in the blender. It's a very selfish thing to do, and so he confronts them, and and instead of sort of saying, you know, hey, you know, hey Diego, like maybe maybe you could leave a couple of those out, or I understand you want to make your shake. Could you maybe take half of them or something like that? he goes full condescending on him. And he, and he says like, who wants to eat stocks seriously? And of course being, you know, uh, an alpha male, uh, Diego Sanchez, he gets up his defensive wall immediately. Right. And so now it's a confrontation, uh, confrontation. And, and of course, behind all this, if they actually engage in a physical, uh, battle within the house, they're kicked out of the house. Right. So really the only tool that the two of them have to operate with is respectful dialogue. And so what I do is I show this uh, two-minute clip and then I get the audience to comment on on where they went wrong and, and how they could uh, uh, make the situation more um, respectful and, and productive. 
And how many times do people respond? Well, they're cage fighters. They don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 There's there's some eye rolls that uh, that would re- re- reveal that thought for sure. But, uh, you know, I mean, Stefan Bonner uh, actually has a, a, a bachelor's degree, degree in commerce. So, I mean, he's a smart enough guy that he could figure out how to approach that in a different way. Well, it's actually funny that you bring that up because a lot, some people might not know this, but Stefan Bonner and, oh my God, I'm going to forget the guy's name that he fought in the finals. Horace Griffin. Horace Griffin. But that was actually the reason why the UFC has made it as a company because of the fight that they had at that, at that finale because the ratings kept on going up because people were calling other people up, you need to watch this, you need to watch this, you need to watch this. And that's how the UFC was ended up sticking around because they almost ended up having to file for bankruptcy. I know that's, too much. That's too much information there. <laughs> absolutely true. It was a watershed moment for for that organization. It was like watching Rocky Four. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, Alan, if people want to know more information about you or actually be able to book you for one of your for one of your keynotes, where would they need to go to get that? Well, they could go to my website, and that's uh, um, journeyleadership.ca. Uh, they could find my information there. Um, I'm also available on on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Um, so Alan James Moore on, on LinkedIn. I uh, love to have safety conversations with absolutely anybody on Twitter. Um, uh, Alan James Moore, cut the E off the end. Um, uh, one and the number one. That's where I'm at. That's my Twitter handle. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm absolutely available to, to chat to anybody who wants to talk about safety or leadership. Well, Alan, I really do appreciate you coming on to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jay. Well, thank you for coming out and taking another listen to The Jay Allen Show. I truly hope that you enjoyed this episode with Alan James Moore. Boy, did he have an interesting story on how some of these speeches are done. In really taking that deep dive into pain for pain, I hope that messaging does get across, especially in these interesting times. Before I let you go, I'd love to let you know about a contest that we have going on right now at safety fm we are looking for the next big safety podcast so if you do get the opportunity please come to our website safetyfm.com forward slash contest and we are looking for the next big safety podcast to join our network of podcasters and broadcasters go there for more details the winner will get their show hosted on our server for a year and also have access to our broadcast network. If you're interested, please come to the website. Like I said, safetyfm.com forward slash contest. Well, this will bring another episode of the Jay Allen show to an end. Thank you for being the best part of safety FM, the listener or the safety FMer, as I like to call it. We'll be back with another episode before too long. Goodbye for now. Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any 
any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 440 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case, and you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.